Hello, folks, and welcome to the first episode of the Muson Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Richards, and I'm so excited to be bringing you these conversations and discussions around my favorite passion, the pursuit of the mighty moose. This project is brought to you and supported by OMM Outfitters and the Eagle Lake Sporting Camps of Eagle Lake, Maine. The robust team of operators at OMM Outfitters bring years of experience in guiding, particularly around the area of moose, and we are so thrilled to share these stories to the listening public. We're going to start off our first adventure with a conversation with the man who started it all, our dear friend and boss, Mr. Nathan Terrio. Nathan is a passionate outdoorsman who got his interest in guiding at a very, very young age. We're going to hear from Nathan on how he started in the outdoors, the challenges of building a robust and competitive commercial outfitter. Then we'll transition into a conversation about an always discussed topic, choosing the correct caliber of rifle for your moose hunt. And then we're going to share a few tips and advice on why you should never change guns in the middle of a moose hunt. It's particularly my story. It's very funny and frankly, a little embarrassing. So sit back and enjoy. This is one you're going to want to hear. And welcome to the inaugural first episode of Moose Hunt Podcast with myself, Chris Richards. I'm the host of this, along with my good friend, boss, mentor, colleague, Master of the Universe, Mr. Nathan Terrio, owner and operator of OMM Outfitters. Nathan, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, Chris. Thanks very much. The uh, Very exciting to get this going off and to all the listeners jumping in, wondering about what this is. Maybe you've never heard about the operation here at OMM Outfitters before. Or we're going to go through a little of the who we are, what we do, where we are. Um, we're coming to you from beautiful Eagle Lake, Maine today on an absolutely gorgeous weekend. Um, but Moose is on the mind and really we're excited to bring years of experience, knowledge, stories to our listeners, really in the area of moose hunting. Um, I'm sure Nate, you can agree. There's a lot of hunting up, um, podcasts out there, people sharing knowledge and it's awesome, but really our passion is moose and really wanting to bring that as a steady element to all of these conversations rather than it be maybe a one-off that we seem that so many of these uh, podcasts tend to have one episode about moose hunting. Um, you know, this is, this is our thing. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, seeing since we talk about it pretty much 24, seven, 365, it kind of made sense just to have something specific. And, um, you know, jumping in, you know, to anyone out there, the information, you know, and what we're doing with this, we have some goals and we're excited. We really want to be educational. We want to teach people, share the knowledge of things that we've learned over the years, guiding, hunting moose, inspirational. I think so, hunting so often can teach us lessons about life, um, lessons about faith, and uh, also to be entertaining because... Um, We've made a lot of memories along the way, um, a lot of funny memories along the way. And, um, and so that's, that's what we're going to be doing and, and really bringing the tales, the stories, trials and tribulations, success, challenges um, from the pursuit of, you know, the, the mighty moose, an animal we all love and respect and appreciate so much. And I'm really excited to, to get going. But to, to start this off, you know, 
Nathan, this this company, OMM Outfitters, um, you know, that I'm I'm so grateful to be a part of. Really want to this first episode kind of jump into how did this all begin? Um, you know, it's it's really become an exciting and it's almost it's more than a company, it's a family. It really is. Um, for those of us here. And so can you kind of take us back to how you got interested in creating something like this, building this team, how you started in the great outdoors? Um, you know, everyone's a little different, but kind of how did it all start for you and uh, how it got to where it is today? Yeah. Um, thanks for the, for the intro and, and uh, obviously uh, super pumped for this and you know, the uh, educational part, inspirational, and, and uh, with that comes the, the entertaining <laughs> part of it. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it uh, I guess it more or less was, uh, you know, something that was fun, um, you know, and then there's obviously some vision, uh, there has to be some goals that you uh, you strive for. You know, for me, just being in the outdoors, like like most of us, you know, with family and friends and it's just something about it you know just you know being in the outdoors and experiencing wildlife you know you just uh, really um it's it sets everything else aside and puts things into perspective and i just you know for for me that opportunity with family and friends and and the experiences gained you know was uh what led this whole company to be what it is and you know some of that for me was, you know, a lot of it was with my dad, you know, bird hunting, going to old sporting camps. And, and then of course, you know, who are these guys, these guides running around and, you know, beat up pickup trucks at times and driving <laughs> too fast, maybe. And, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> you, know, right. you know, this seems, this seems fun at the age I was at, you know, and, uh, getting to spend some time with them right. and, you know, just, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, my dad was, you know, big upland guy and I just had this thing for, for big game, you know, and, and mm-hmm. one of the guides, uh, still, uh, very close friend, almost like a second father to me, Glenn Durgan. Uh, <clears throat> I was just figuring it out. Actually, he was, he was 34 years old when he took me to, uh, go after my first whitetail. And I was, I was 12 years old at the time. Yeah. I had a doe tag. And uh, I just remembered what I remember about him was back then was you know of course me I couldn't sit still for for all the tea in China <laughs> right but, right. but he just sit there he would actually just stand there with like army fatigues on and and I'd be frozen you know covering myself in leaves and making all kinds of noise and he'd just look at me with the death eye character building right? yeah <laughs> and uh, there was this big doe and he. Uh, he says, put your gun up, you know, get your, get your sights on it. And anyways, he, he had me pass it up. It was a great lesson. Mm-hmm. You know? So it was, it was educational, you know, so kind of going back to that. But the next year he invited me to, to go with him again. I got my first year was a spike horn. Yeah. And then the year after that, I got a six pointer. And then the year after that, he said, you're on your own. I went and did it myself. So <laughs> <laughs> figure it out now, boy. Yeah. Right? You know, which was good because yeah. it's like, look, you don't, you don't always need somebody. You got to. You got to learn this yourself, you know, so, so then, uh, you know, ended up, um, also with him getting to go to, 
uh, 56 parallel up in Canada and, you know, all kinds of great experiences up there. You know, of course I got ruined with the fishing and, (laughs) you know, but, uh, big brook trout, big brook trout, trout. (laughs) you know, and, uh, great experiences at 16. I was homeschooled, Yep. you know, so gave me a lot of opportunity to, um, you know, take the fall time and, and get these real life experiences. And, uh, you know, also went to Mechanimac. I got to fly with Jack McPhee, who was a retired game warden pilot. And, you know, that was awesome flying in a super club, cub doing telemetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, he was at the time, um, it was, uh, Jen Vashon was the one that was leading the program and Jack was doing the flying and it was cool. Of course, Jack was, you know, he's getting a little older, so he couldn't hear maybe the greatest. So he's like, you know, tell me which side you're hearing it on, you know? So <laughs> I'm like left side. And then all of a sudden we're in like a, you know, 45 degree bank. <laughs> he's like, right. do you see it? You know, so just cool experiences, you know? And then, you know, and then uh, I, uh, you know, of course, through all that inspiration, you know, of course, getting my guides license was like number one on the list. Yeah. And uh, how old were you when you got your license? So I went to guide school with uh, John and Tammy Rogers Mm -hmm. and uh, was at uh, Loon Lodge. Yeah. It was in Lincoln. Yeah. And uh, while I was there, I met a gentleman that was also in the school and he had his video camera and he's showing me these camps up here in Eagle Lake Mm -hmm. and... I called dad and I'm like, dad, you wouldn't believe these camps and they're for sale. And he's like, where are they? I told him, you know, Eagle Lake. And he's like, I grew up there as a kid. I know those camps. So fast forward, you know, here, here I am, uh, 18. I got my guide's license at, I guess, 18, 19, right in that neighborhood. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, came up for a visit, got to meet the owner and, Packed my bags, graduated high school, packed my bags, moved up here and was a caretaker at these camps that were built in the 1890s. At the time, they were known as the Mishu Camps and still known by many as the Mishu Camps. Uh, We renamed them to the Eagle Lake Sporting Camps. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, spent 10 months there um, trying to figure things out. (laughs) Right. Learning as you go. Learning as you go. So, ended up... uh, you know, uh, the the place actually uh, was sold. We ended up renting a cabin there. Mm-hmm. The place was sold, and then the, the the owner got them back, and then we purchased them in 2012. Yep. And uh, ended up also purchasing the marina here in town, which was known as Old Mill Marina, hence the name OMM Outfitters. And uh, a lot of people up, ask that. Yeah, yeah. You know, what, it was what's o- this om? Yeah, <laughs> OMM. You know, it's yeah. just you know, we had the marina. We yeah. wanted to keep it separate. You know, it's you right. know, marinos fishing boats, and you know, so <clears throat> of course hunting was my passion, and so then ended up going to college and uh, met my best friend Kenny Mayo. Yep, and uh, yeah, that added another two years to my college life. <laughs> Going from a two-year to a five-year degree. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, and then, you know, Kenny and I got together. We, uh, you know, 
wanted to, you know, put bait sites out, we really had no idea. We hadn't worked for any other outfitters. You know, we, we felt our way through this thing and ended up having some buddies that were snowmobiling up here every winter and they like to hunt. And, you know, Kenny and I thought we had something going with the bear hunts. Yeah. Not sure if we did or not, but anyways, one of the, uh, one of the guys there, uh, we ended up finding out was a really good trapper and just a quiet guy. Never really bragged about anything. And we actually figured it out because his friends, every picture of them holding a buck or a goose or whatever it was, Joe was always in the picture. So we eventually figured out that Joe was the one making all this happen. Right. Right. The, <laughs> so, con- the one consistent card. Right. So, you know, and. In life, I think you come across, you know, a few people that you you know you can learn from that are willing to teach you. Right. And he was one of them and really progressed us, uh, you know, towards the direction of of where we're at now. And, um, you know, he, he was willing to teach us. And, you know, that also resonated with us, just the fact that, you know, he was willing to teach because we've also come across the, the people that don't want to give you their spots, you know, or, right. you know, they don't want to give you the secrets or whatever, you know, and, and you can't really learn this stuff in a book. No, no, you can't. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, uh, you know, one of those things you got to latch on, to, you know, a few people and learn as much as you can. So, you know, Kenny, we ended up, uh, having them and our first bear harvest from OMM was, uh, you know, back in say probably 2004, 2005 in that neighborhood. And it was a 487 pound black bear with a bow. That's a stud. Yeah. We still haven't beat it. That's a stud. <laughs> yeah. That's beauty. That's a beauty. And, uh, my first guided moose hunt was 56 inch bull. And I got real lucky just driving around, but ended up parking the trailer about 10 miles from where we harvested it. And after about 3000 miles of driving, we, we spotted them <laughs> 10 miles from the trailer. No kidding. Right. So I had an idea where it was going to be just, you know, had to do some detours and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it, it was tough, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not a business that you can just more or less jump into. I mean, we needed hero shots, you know, we had to do whatever we we could do to, you know, build our reputation. Of course, nobody could take us serious. We're in our early twenties and just jumping in and oh, just so pumped about everything and and um, you know the drive and, and determination, goals. You know, it it attracted people to us and and you know they gave us the opportunity to take them. You know, maybe they paid for our fuel, right? You know, threw us a tip. You know, midway through the week. You know, they needed some help because it wasn't happening. So it was, uh, hey, can you guys help us out? And, of course, we're all about it. Right. You know, so. And then, uh, you know, we just, uh, you know, it wasn't always the way it was like it is now. You know, it was. Yeah. I mean, you do whatever you can do with, with what you can do and what you have to work with. You know, we didn't have equipment. We didn't have you know, all the, all the right tools. It took a long time to, to, you know, cam trail. Just, I remember trail cameras, like, you know, looking at the price of those things and thinking, man, like, right. We have, we can get three. We could get three. <laughs> we have like 20 baits, you know? Right. Right. And then, you know, we caught a couple breaks, you know, we caught a, 
it was really tough to find ground to debate on. You know, we had all private ground and, you know, we did a landowner appreciation lobster bake and, you know, we had to go get tax maps and, you know, it was, it was a lot. We caught a break. We had somebody that, uh, gave us an opportunity to get involved in, in some timber ground and, Mm -hmm. you know, that turned into, uh, I think we got 65 sites right now. Wow. Yeah. And we got a pretty sizable territory and, you know, throughout, you know, the almost 20 years, it just, you know, little things here and there would help us to, to learn mm-hmm. and improve and get to where we are. Looking back, I think the best thing that we ever did, and, and this is, this comes from, you know, obviously, you know, Kenny and him, Kenny and I were, I mean, we did everything together and I mean, we, Every time we went in the woods, we were learning, you know, together, picking things out and, you know, of course, calling on our buddy, Joe Shepard, who uh, was an inspiration to us and a, a, an educational instructor yeah. about the outdoors and, and um, you know, how to, how to think about wildlife in terms of uh, being a predator, really. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we, uh, obviously, as time progresses, you know, people move on and Kenny moved downstate and I was kind of doing the thing, uh, by myself for a while and he'd always come up for moose seasons. You know, he would, you know, I don't think he's missed a moose hunt. Right. You know, but the bear hunt I was doing and, you know, for us, it was a time when, you know, of course, life gets busy and family and kids. <clears throat> families grow. Families grow, you know, you get busy. And Kenny and I, it was the one time we got to hang out. Right, right. You know, so I think that that really helped us to develop the team atmosphere that we have now because it's a fun time to be together. You yes. Know? You know, it's, it goes back to how I think most of us started, family, friends, and the outdoors. Mm-hmm. I think Realtree said it best. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, I think I agree. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, yeah, to fast forward, you know, kind of to where we're at now, I mean, it's uh, it's unbelievable. It's, you know, obviously, you know, God first in everything that we've done, and, and he's been our our provider. He's been our successor. Yes. And, and you know, uh, we have an opportunity, you know, we've identified certain aspects of this business that really is the roots of why we're here and through that we fine-tune those roots a little every year and we're we're where we're at now you know but the opportunity to to go out with you know folks that uh you know from all walks of life and and educational levels and financial levels whatever it may be you know these people are always people you can learn from and and just to be able to get in the outdoors and show them you know why we love what we love and you know the uh the peacefulness of it um the opportunity to give thanks to god and and all those things uh you know really really brought this team around to, to what it is and it's uh it's it's a fairly sizable team chris yes it is it is and you know you touched on something you know, an underlying theme 
through everything you you shared there. And I think it's it is a lesson that people can take, you know, in life is that you know, everyone you encounter really could have something to teach you. I think a key is remaining humble and knowing that you, no matter how long you've been doing this, um, always do have something to learn, always can make improvements. And particularly, one thing I found is what's so exciting and rewarding about this is how sometimes these seemingly at the time might just be normal encounters you have in your day can be life altering. Um, you know, you can probably think back to meeting Kenny and how probably at that time you couldn't have envisioned what that relationship would become and ultimately lead to. I know for me, when I think about coming up here, I think I, I think I got connected from shooting a Facebook message to the the outfitter page and said, hey, you know, you guys seem like you're a lot of fun. I'd be happy to sweep floors or whatever and go on a moose hunt, you know? Um, and then here we are now. And to your point, this, I think the family dynamic of it's, it's something we all look forward to doing now, this group of people from all over Maine, outside of Maine, some of us. And that energy, I think, is one of the things that I would guess is why people who get who do come hunting with us enjoy it so much is the is that dynamic um you know really it does seem that you know this moose hunt has an ability particularly i find these people come as like strangers and can leave as friends or family you know and it's it's just so awesome to be a part of that and um Really, what I find so rewarding about hunting is that that the return and benefit, um, and particularly around this moose hunt, I find you get so much more out of it than just moose hunting. And I would say, you know, when you know, I'm assuming you feel the same way when you think about your life. It may have started because, man, these big bulls seem awesome, right? Yeah, you know, um, but. Uh, but what would you say, you know, when you think about, you know, the pursuit of moose, what, what really locked that one in? Because some people, they love whitetail hunting. They love bear hunting. You know, they may have their thing. What about the moose hunt for you? You know, what locked that in for you as such a target passion species? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, they're big. and uh they're everywhere up here right they're just uh they're so majestic you know as far as the state of maine goes i mean it it really is the icon of the state and i mean i just you know i gotta go back to the to the times at the sporting camps you know when we pull into a campsite by a pond to eat lunch and all of a sudden we hear this thrashing in the water and walk down on the water's edge and you look and there's this huge bull going down to get a big old bite of aquatic grasses and he comes up right. and the water's just pouring out of his rack and you know he's huge and he's you know just awesome and mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> and then to, to realize you can call these things you know i mean it's just uh it's incredible i guess you kind of you know 
you use what you have that's in your area and you adapt yourself to to them and you know for me i mean i kind of chase chase the moose up here <laughs> right right <laughs> you know, we we you know there's all you know there's a lot of places in maine that that are good and you know i've started my journey in in the eustace area and mm-hmm. you know some of that western area and and then coming up here definitely there's a there's a difference in the the amount of moose and you know some of the you know um you know the the different terrain that you hunt up here is is unique too so i mean it, for me it was you know this is where the moose are this is where i'm going uh but i think it all started at a young age and you know the opportunity to vocalize mm. and you know just they're so big they just leave such a you know a mark <laughs> they do you're you're absolutely right when you interact with one you know to anyone who you know a lot of people turkey hunt you know the idea of turkey hunting you know now make that turkey a thousand pounds and yeah eight feet tall and go from a little uh you know toe print in the sand to a you know uh, a pie plate saucer in the mud right right <laughs> you know or, or see a tree just completely destroyed and you know there's a piece of velvet on it you know that's exciting too you know. right of course ricky's got you know he's he ricky's ricky's our velvet hunt guide <laughs> the velvet hunt guide yeah <laughs> he's good at finding that you guys will get to get to meet ricky a little later yeah he, he we were joking about you know the educational inspirational entertainment it could be a spectrum of the people i'd put ricky on the entertaining for sure 100 <laughs> percent. end yeah. of things to all the listeners beware yes beware <laughs> you're gonna have fun great guy great <laughs> that's guy. awesome but um ricky rush ricky rush um so you know you know we recently had you know the lottery season so to speak for the main moose hunt you know the permits were all drawn and and so it really is oftentimes a once in a lifetime thing for a lot of people to get the chance to do this and in Maine or, or wherever even, or it's, it's a bucket list item for people. They want, they're going to hunt one day. They think they want to go after one moose. We really are fortunate, you know, to have kind of found this opportunity to do this every fall, you know, particularly, sure. particularly guiding, you know, it's, it is exciting talking to some folks who are you in the lottery this year. It's like, well, I'm, I'm going hunting moose hunting no matter what, you know, type. And it's, something to look forward to um what um when you think about that and reflect on that and you know so many people you've you know certainly guided and worked with over the years thinking about this potentially like once in a lifetime experience what would you say to people maybe they they've got they've got their moose permit they don't know what they're doing you know what do you think is some key advice for those individuals as they're thinking about this thing coming up in, you know, a couple of months. Yeah, that, you know, the moose lottery, it's such a, such an exciting time uh, in the state of Maine, you know, seeing everybody gather around the festivities and, you know, what the state of Maine's done to promote that. And of course, you know, it's every year it's in a different place and, um, you know, the, uh, the, the chambers, uh, whether it's Jackman or Chamber of Commerce, you know, they just do a good job setting this thing up and, and keeping that tradition alive, which is unique to Maine. 
and uh, and like you said, you know, the excitement and and it it is really cool, you know. And then then you get drawn, you know. And then yeah, you know, now we got to figure this out. And really, I mean, you don't have that much time. I mean, figure the draws in mid June, and you got what June, July, August. I mean, you got three and a half months to figure this all out. Right, a hundred days, and you're hunting. A hundred days, you right? Know? So it can be overwhelming, you know. And and I think the biggest thing, you know, we we for us, I mean, the team is is the is the key. You know, we have a you know, a well, um, oiled machine out there. And we all have one goal in mind. That's to help everyone be successful, but also to work as a team. Mm-hmm. And when you have a big animal, like a moose hit the ground, you know, you really have to be, you have to be well adapt to knowing how to handle that and, and deal with it, you know? So there's that, there's the, there's the scouting, um, aspects of that, which, you know, not everybody obviously has the the tools and and uh, equipment needed to scout on a on a high level or the time or the time. You know, right. it's it's different. You know, I remember driving around the woods and there's a moose in that clear cut. I'll drive a little further. There's one in that clear cut. You know, habitat changes, things change. Animals get more educated. They get smart. You know, and and to stay ahead of all that is is a whole job in itself but you know anybody can go out and do this you know? right and and the more you can learn you know just like this podcast you know just just listening to the experience um of, that this team has and you know this is an education educational podcast you know we want people to learn from this we want people to be able to you know go out there and feel like they can achieve it you know and and i would say you know to answer your question specifically educate yourself mm-hmm. understand what happens when it's 80 degrees and, and a moose goes down you know how much time do you have before you know that moose starts to um decompose right and break down right you know so you know that's one thing you know so and there's different ways to getting these out <laughs> you know when we started it was uh we were hunting a lot of farm fields yep and we'd we'd hunt first thing in the morning, late in the afternoon. And, you know, they'd be out there with the cows eating the clover. It's almost like cattle out there, you know. Yeah, and yeah. It's kind of easy, you know. We we drop it in the field, back the truck up, hook a winch to it, and, you know, on the trailer it goes to the butcher and, and done, you know. But that uh, became a little too um, uh, populated for us too many people hunting out there yeah a couple articles and magazines will do that right right <laughs> right so you know the the actual hunt side of it changed for us you know we like to get get out in the woods and experience that woods and and when you get out there and you're dealing with stumps and and rough terrain and all the other thing you know the the cape and quartering for us was a game changer i think chris i think three years ago we uh we just made it mandatory yep Company policy. Company policy. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we do a guide training and every year we get a refresher. We talk about it. We got we got our uh, in house taxidermist, Troy Pelletier. He he comes and, you know, talks about it and you know, we we've done some videos on it. And it doesn't matter if it if it uh, you know, we call it right to a road and it and it expires right by the road. We uh we, we cape and quarter it right there. And what a difference that has made, you know, since running the butcher shop, obviously, you know, we got a butcher shop, state inspected. Um, we're going on four or five years with that now. 
you know, in, in 20 years in business, <clears throat> hauling in these big bulls to the butcher shop hole and hearing people tell us the stories about how tough it was and it tasted horrible. And, and then, you know, fast forward to everything's getting caped and quartered. And now we're having people that are harvesting these big mature bulls and they're like, meat was great. Meat was great. Meat yep. was great. So what do you attribute that to? Well, you get the hide off it right away. You get that meat cooled down. You know, we put pallets or something, you know, don't set that quarter down on a, a black bed liner. You know, let the air get under it. You know, little right. little things like that are going to make a big difference. Um, you know, so, you know, black pepper, cheesecloth, um, you know, have a list, you know, think through what you're going to need out there. You know, the the planning, the prep work. Uh, talk to people, ask mm-hmm. questions, you know, figure out where you're going to be, figure out where you're going to stay, you know, learn the areas you want to apply for, you know, you're going to put in for zones, you know, one, two, well, how many permits are out there, you know, how many, uh, what's the success rate, you know, right. how many bulls, how many cows, you know, you can figure out, you can do a lot just by looking at numbers. I mean, if, if you're looking at a zone that, you know, is, is given, you know, 300 bull tags and only 75 cow tags i mean boy it's 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 gonna be uh you know um you know challenging as far as how many cows you're gonna be competing with when you're calling right you know you're really you know you want a good bull to cow ratio and i mean little things like that a lot of people don't think about as far as how you're going to you know what your tactics going to be when you get out there Mm -hmm. our tactics are um, obviously calling, I'd say 80% of the moose that we harvest are, are, uh, are coming in to the call mm-hmm. and the call being, uh, could be, uh, vocalizing actual moose sounds. It could just be, uh, you know, acting like a moose in the woods, you know, step on a branch here, strip some leaves, you know, do, do different things. Just, just act like, uh, you know, the presence of a moose in the area, you know, even that, that works in different times of the year. You know, and I'm sure we'll get into this deeper. You know, they talk all night on this, but right. Oh, yeah. You know, just to give the basics. You know, learn learn some tactics. Um, you know, obviously, calling for us has been the most successful, but we still hunt. We spot mm-hmm. and stalk. You do whatever it takes when it when you know when it's time to do it. Right. You know, weather, where they're going to be, when they're going to be there. Um, you know, thinking through, you know, what, what you're going to need for gear. You know, good tires. Uh, and then, you know, if you could put together a team, that is going to be key. You know, everyone that's on the same page and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, understanding that, you know, we may be quartering it. We may be using our capstone winch. We may be, you know, using a four-wheeler if, if it's a place where you can, you can. You right. Know? So. Have the plan, I think, is the key. I keep keep saying it. And, yeah. you know, having a plan is the key. And I can't tell you, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I... I I uh, I know that people get into situations where they just don't know how they're going to get this thing out. Now, I mean, you can simplify all this, and you can hire a, an outfitter. You can hire us. You know, right. I mean, right, right. <laughs> you know, and and you know, do your research and uh, you know, see what their plan is. Right. You know, so I but. think you know you wanted you raised some awesome stuff, Nate, and I think that key first decision, like if right now, let's say you drew a permit a few weeks ago. And that first question is, am I going to do this or do I really not know what I'm getting into? Because that's going to be your, are we doing this DIY or are we hiring a guide? 
And if you're hiring a guide, I think the time is of the essence. Um, there's some people who are really, really good at it. Um, and they tend to fill up quickly. Um, so make that decision quick, you know, but to your point, that team dynamic, if you're going to do that, give people specific jobs, um, you know, and make sure that your team is additive. Um, I can think back to some hunts I've been on where, um, you know, before doing this, you know, in a guiding actual outfitting professional type atmosphere, just family and friends. There's been some teams I've seen put together that weren't exactly additive to <laughs> the success of the experience. <laughs> um, you know, pick those, pick those people wisely um, because it really often is that once in a lifetime experience and you want to get the full return on your week, you know, um, you know, the goal harvest and a moose, no question, but it should be a fantastic time. You know, it really should be. And the, and the people are key to that. Yeah. I think that, that you nailed it. I think we do that, um, with the guides, you know, understanding the clients and, you know, understanding, uh, our teams, individuals, personalities, and, you know, it's important. You're going to spend a week in mm -hmm. the woods with, with people, you know, and you want to make sure there's a, you know, there's a good meld and, uh, and it's just going to help the overall, ex uh, overall success, but number one, the experience. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, and, and two, um, I think, you know, you, you did also touch on something, you know, the, the department, you know, main department of Indian fisheries and wildlife and, you know, how they partner with these towns to do this lottery really is awesome. Um, to see it throughout all of Maine. And, you know, we were in Jackman and had an absolute blast. They did a great job with it. But that is a phenomenal starting place. You know, resources that the state publishes around historical harvest data. I mean, you can go on the IFNW website right now and you can find township harvest data back over a decade um, for moose. Look at success rates in specific zones. And you also should study that. Maybe you didn't get drawn. Maybe you've never applied and you're thinking, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to apply for the moose hunt next year. You know, that's really a, an excellent place to start your homework, you know, getting into this, this game of pursuing a tag. Um, and, you know, one thing I, a tip I like to say, and, you know, I was, these things come up to mind and really do trying to make this educational tips for success. Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind, I don't know why right now I'll, I'll certainly share it is I always get this question. I think I had someone ask me at the lottery, they, they'd pull the permit and uh, they're like, what new gun should I go get? You know, first thing right out of the gate. <laughs> good excuse to buy a gun. Good excuse to buy a gun, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, what caliber should I get? And, and, and this and that. And, um, you know, I'm never one to discourage someone from buying a new firearm. You know, I'm all about it. I think the key is I always tell people, and that's one regard for me is just make sure it's a firearm you know how to use. If I were to quickly say, I'd say use a gun that you've been using your whole life. So there's no challenges. Um, but, uh, you know, if you've, if you've been hunting with bolt action rifles your whole life, you might want to probably stick with a bolt action rifle on a once in a lifetime moose hunt. Um, you know, those types of things. But any thoughts you have on that, experiences you've had around 
firearms and the glitches that can happen in the in the guiding industry with them. <laughs> oh, it's uh, you know some of the stories. I mean, we've had we've had guys show up to bear camp and and uh, go to the range and shoot, and their scope falls off. Off the gun. It yeah. falls off the gun. <laughs> right. You know? Right. You know, have two guns. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and and yeah, yeah, I mean, you said it, you know, I, I hear that discussion so much, see that discussion. And, and obviously it's, it's definitely probably the, the most asked question, which is, uh, I mean, it probably wouldn't be my first question, but, um, you know, having obviously uh, a sufficient powered firearm you know I, I recommend 30 caliber or better yeah you know but more importantly having something that you shoot comfortably you know mm-hmm. not necessarily the gun you go buy tomorrow right you know it's it's the gun you've had for 10 years that you've shot you know you've harvested 10 animals with you know? right <laughs> old faith old it's, faithful it's your grandfather's right. gun you know what i mean that, that right. always worked and never failed you know it's, right right and, and the gun you're just most comfortable with you know it's uh but it 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 definitely can be fun, you know, that going out purchasing a a new firearm, you know, getting to smell that new gun and yeah, and uh, you know, buying, you know, every different grain available for for ammo, every different brand, and right. sitting down at the bench and shooting until your arms red and you're, you know, you got scope eye and every other thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, to your point there. If you're going to buy a new gun, you should do that. Absolutely. Don't buy one 72 hours before you leave for moose camp. Yeah. Go throw, you know, you know, four rounds through it and say you're good. You know, go shoot that thing and, you know, right. get used to it, get comfortable with it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big part of it. Yeah. And, you know, one thing for me, that caliber discussion is one, oh my goodness. I've, we could talk for a week about ballistics and, you know, this and that shooting well, shooting comfortably, I think is number one. Um, you don't need to hunt with a 375 H and H, you know, and you know, if, if I think you got some stories about that, I, I do moose hunt with a 375 H and H. Hey, a Buffalo gun's not always a bad idea. (laughs) Right. I mean, if someone can shoot one, well, please, you know, I'm never going to complain about, you know, a client, being overpowered so to speak but you need to be able to shoot it well you know if you buy a gun you know if you've you know depending if you're if you're a smaller frame person or you're just some people don't handle recoil well you know it can be a violent thing and so if you're flinching shooting a gun um, that's not the gun you want to bring please don't flinch when you have that you know you go back to the investment, you know, to, for that success, whether it's, you know, a client of ours, or if it's your own hunt or, you know, someone DIY, you're, you're scouting your, your time, your, you know, all that work goes into it sometimes to, to harness a five second opportunity, you know, um, make sure that that equipment that's automatic, you know what I mean? Um, that's the key, the key thing I think for sure. Um, shooting well, shooting confidently, um, well-placed shot. There's a million discussions around where shoot them behind the shoulder, take out the wind, um, and move forward. 
So, yeah, yeah, shop placement is is everything, and uh, comfort level. Yeah, you know it's it's all it's all relevant. You know, and and uh, obviously something you want to start, like you said, you know, the day starting before you get get drawn. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and, and two, I mean, sometimes, you know, it the woods can be fascinating. I found is, you know, I get the question all the time, how far, you know, how far are most of your shots? And I would say under a hundred yards typically. Um but you know, you never know what's gonna happen in the woods and you can there's certainly some spots I can think about if you're coming out hunting a an area that's been timbered and you can come across and see a moose out across a, a clear cut 400 yards. You know, if you've never taken a 400 yard shot, don't do it. Don't, you know, you shouldn't be laying down right there to have your first one be, yeah. you know, no, on a moose. It's, uh, it's all about respect at that point for the animal, in my opinion. Right, right. 100%. And, and when they're that far away, you can make a play, you know, for sure. Yeah. And, and it's, you'll, you know, the, uh, the experience there again, when I go back to it is, is going to be a much, the reward is going to be much greater knowing mm-hmm. that than you know, just trying to take a shot like that. And, you know, and I tell people, you know, along those lines, you know, as far as, you know, shots and, you know, I think that, uh, to to get yourself ready, you know, I tell people have a bench ready to go, mm-hmm. have a target that's you know thirty yards, fifty yards, seventy five yards, hundred yards, <clears throat> you know, four different targets, and then do a brisk walk to the area that you're going to be firing your weapon from. Obviously, carry your weapon because you you're going to be carrying it in the woods, right? <clears throat> and when you get to that, fire around kneeling down. Fire around sitting. Fire around uh, offhand standing. Mm-hmm. Have a you know a pole because you know main woods are pretty thickly wooded and there's a lot of trees that that can assist you in that shot. Yeah, you know shoot from that and then shoot from from all the different yardages. You know have you know obviously your your heart rate's going to be up. That's going to resemble that big old bull coming in. You know just uh, snot just rolling out his nose and. Mm-hmm. You know, the smell of the rut on him and <clears throat> tearing some trees up and, you know, your heart's beating out of your chest. You're trying to control it. Your breathing's starting to get, you know, out of control and, you know, you're, you're shaking, you're sweating, you're, you know, <laughs> <laughs> get ready, folks. This is yep. what it's going to be like. Yep. And, uh, you know, and you do that and you do it enough, you, you get that, you know, at least it's, it's never going to be like what it really is, but, you know, you're, uh, you're you're heading down that road. Right. And you know to your point you know especially if someone if you've never moose hunted before and you're going this year or you want to go the excitement you'll feel when you got a bull coming in grunting every step smacking trees with their antlers you'll be f- stunned I'm to this day, I'm like, I can't believe how much noise these things can make um, intentionally. And, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to share a little story, Nathan, of, uh, of embarrassment from way back in the day. Um, 
I had, I drew my first moose permit. I've been blessed. I've had, I've pulled a couple of them, but my, this goes back to hunting with guns, you know, I, um, I had a permit back in, I don't know, over a decade ago and, uh, over in zone eight and we went in hunting and, and we were having a great week. It was just, we had frost every morning It spit snow one day and the moose were just fired up. And, um, I think we'd seen 13 bulls by the end of the day, Wednesday, um, or at the end of the day, Tuesday. So it was a really just great hunt, found a couple groups of bachelor bulls. And, um, anyways, I, I did fu- end up shooting one. I ended up shooting my moose Wednesday morning. And, but the challenge was I had, I'd done something to my back. I don't know, picking up rocks or something at camp. I don't know, but I tweaked my back pretty good. And, um, I had my, you know, old faithful bolt action Browning seven millimeter Magnum. And, um, at the time that's what I had. And then I had to, you know, get a bigger gun, you know, later, as I mentioned, but the Buffalo gun, the Buffalo gun. And, but my uncle was hunting with us and going out the like hunting group party was myself, my father and my uncle. And my uncle had a new semi-auto BAR that was like super light like synthetic materials and stuff. Ricky Rush loves those guns. Then they are great guns. They are great <laughs> guns. But you're going to know immediately what happened when I tell you what I did. I'm used to hunting with bolt action rifles my whole life. So I get out of the truck, put the mag in the gun and slowly close the bolt, put the safety on. Let's go hunting. Close that bolt as softly, quietly and gently as possible. So we parked the truck, I get out, throw the mag in the rifle, I pull that slide back, and I let that slide down as gently, softly, and quietly as possible to the point that it, you know, you got to let those semi-autos lock and shut. It's called a catch and release. Yeah, well, it didn't fully catch. (laughs) So we walk down this winter road, and it's perfect, and we get almost to the end, and all of, we're just walking down to this area we're going to call and i hear this cow just light up just screaming and there's whoa, whoa, whoa. i'm like oh come on come on so we just sneak down the winter road and off on the ridge on the left i see this cow coming down off this ridge and there's a bull walking right behind her and they're walking right down to this winter road off this little ridge to the left and i'm like i look back and it was a mid forties bull and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to take him. And so they turn and they're walking down the winter road, Nathan straight to us. And all I can see is his antlers out each side of the cow. He's right behind her. My blood is just pumping. Sounded like a, a grouse drumming. Right. <laughs> just, you know, and I look back and I'm like, to my dad, but they're right there. I'm like, I'm going to shoot them right here. The cow ends up kind of stepping off to the, the left and they're maybe 30 yards. And I pull the trigger on that rifle. Click. Bolt never shut all the way down. Wasn't even pressed up against the bullet. Catch and release. Panicked. <laughs> Panicked. Eject your shell. Pulled the slide back, but it wasn't locked on the bullet to even eject it. <laughs> 
pulled the slide jammed back, another one let in. it go double fed it <laughs> jammed it solid so hard i couldn't even move the slide <laughs> and the bull's coming <laughs> bull's coming in i hand my dad was my sub and was carrying the gun i knew how to use I hand that semi-auto to my uncle. I grab the bolt rifle from my father, and uh, and we got the moose. But that right there is like the prime example of knowing your gear, you know, and practicing with it. I made a last-second decision, partially because I had, you know, I hurt my back, and I thought that lighter rifle would be easier to carry, and it was all for good reason. But had a mishap just because of ignorance, I guess I'd say. And so I think that's a prime example. It's a little entertaining. It's good for a chuckle. I certainly looked. It was a rookie move if there ever was one. But it's one that's made. Um, for sure. You know, and should be and should be a lesson for for folks as we kind of have ended up, you know, discussing firearms and, and that type of thing. And so, so we're coming up, Nate, on the one hour mark. Um, you know, to kind of close this up here. So as you think about, you know, want to, always want to try to end these with, you know, a piece of advice for, for the outdoors, someone interested in the industry, hunting, whatever it is. As you think back on your, your experience and, and those types of things, if, if you were advising someone, maybe they're, maybe they're kind of like what you were when you were in your teens and you're getting into hunting, or maybe they're in college and they're thinking about you know, pursuing some type of outdoor industry career, what would be, would be a piece of advice you'd, you'd give someone if you were to talk to your maybe 18 year old self as you were just getting into this game? That's a tough one. No one would I know now. Right. <laughs> I right. mean, hindsight's we, always 2020. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, have a plan. Yeah. You know, and, and understand the dynamics of of whatever you're going to get into. You know, Maine is a short season. Right. You know, so if, if this is what you want to do and this is all you want to do, you know, you, you got to have a plan as to how you can make that work with the seasons that you have available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that uh, you get as much experience as you can. Listen to this podcast. Yeah. And listen to the team. Yep. And, and the experience that, that everybody brings to the table. You know, because you're going to quickly know and understand, or maybe not. I mean, you want to listen to them all because there's a lot of information you're going to get. But, right. you know, the more you listen and the more you hear, the more you'll see what it really takes to 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 do what we do on the level that we do it. You know, but everybody can do this. And, and if this is something that you want to do, having that dream, that vision, that goal... It's all achievable. And, you know, I mean, I had people along the way say, you know, do something else because, you know, they couldn't make it or or whatever. But you got to have that dream. You got to have that vision. And, you know, I think the biggest thing in this business is give credit where credit's due. Yes. Be humble, like you said. You know, be be kind, have ethics, have morals, and, and be a man of your word because at the end of it, you know, that's all you'll have. Right. And I think that, uh, you know, if you, if you just with those things, I mean, obviously it takes years of knowledge to really get good at, at, you know, the game, um, you know, but just having that foundation is going to help, help success. 
knowledge, I heard this one time. It was that knowledge without mileage is nonsense. Someone told me that. And that may be true, but we all start somewhere, right? And so this resource, other resources, um, be a sponge, I guess, is a good one. I heard Kenny say that. Um, Take it all in, learn, learn, learn. And um, certainly we're going to be here. We're excited to have this podcast going. Um, You know, this is the, the first episode, but we have a lot coming. Um, we're excited to share stories of experiences, you know, some of them, some of them a little embarrassing, like double feet in a rifle when you think you know what you're doing, <laughs> but um, really to share it all for some laughs, but also there, there's going to be a lot for people to take away from this. And with the size of the team we got, the different perspectives, I'm sure there's no question going to be someone that anyone listening will be able to really connect with um, and learn from, so Absolutely. Chris, you're the man. <laughs> Great host and uh, just uh, super, super proud to be a, a part of this team. And and uh, uh, hopefully you'll have me back on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I, I got you on the short list. So. I, I like this. This is fun. Awesome. Awesome. So with that, we'll wrap this up to everyone out there. Be safe. God bless and take care.